1: without regard to party politics and now here's michael cargill
2: good day austin texas the live music capital of the world let's praise the lord and pass the ammunition all right so today i want to give you a little insight into my life michael cargill you know why did i open up a gun store you know how did i get to where i am today and i'm doing this you know in cooperation with uh the Salisher shop you know because silencers get yourself a silencer get a, get yourself a suppressor because you know what back in the, back then in the day if we had suppressors we had silencers then i think you know my hearing would be a lot better than it is right now i wouldn't have uh tinnitus and so i want to i want to but i want to tell you a little bit about you know me i want to get in depth you know and 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 talk about you know why i opened the gun store you know what happened in my life with my family that I decided to make this drastic turn from the military, telecommunications, and being a gun store owner. Take a listen to this. Yeah, so my grandmother decided that she was going to go to college, get a college degree. Uh, She wanted to become a nurse. And so she went back to college, started working on that. And she was leaving from a college library one day, uh, waiting for a bus to come. A guy came along, mugged her, and raped her. So I decided, you know, at that point, hey, you know, I really need to get the family involved in this stuff. And we need to, you know, take our own personal protection in our own hands.
3: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Silencer Shop podcast. In today's episode, we bring you the very well-spoken and very knowledgeable Michael Cargill. Michael is the owner at Central Texas Gunworks and since 2011 Mr. Cargo has been an advocate for gun safety and education. In this episode we will discuss a multitude of topics ranging from gun sales in 2020 to how this current presidential administration will affect the firearm industry. So let's not waste any more time and let's get into it.
2: My name is Michael Cargill, the owner of Central Texas Gunworks. Uh, we've been here at this location here for 20, 10 years, sorry. This is our 10-year anniversary, and we do gun sales. We do transfers. We do classes, life scary carry handgun courses, private security courses, um, and, man, we actually transfer, like, sometimes 100 guns a day here. That's it? Just 100? Yeah, just 100. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. So, were you born in Austin? I was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I went to school there and after getting out of out of school, I actually went into the military, joined the United States Army. Was there for about 12 years. I traveled all around the country back in 87 to 99. Then I got out of the army, started working for a telecommunications company out of Austin here and then did that for a little while then worked for a telecommunications company out of Dallas. And then I started my own trucking company after that, moved elevators around the country for a company called Schindler Elevator, and then did that for a while. And then I finally opened up Central Texas Gunworks, and we've been here ever since. Do you miss Florida? Oh, yeah. Florida is great. I love the weather. You can't beat that. There's nothing like their clean beaches because the beaches in Texas are not great at all. Anyone that says the beaches in Texas are great are lying. So, <laughs> so uh, the beaches in Florida are wonderful, you know, but Florida people are crazy. Uh, I think my wife would agree that she loves Florida. I think it's a,
3: a destination she wants to retire at. And I, now that I hear that, I think I'd be OK with it. Um when were you first introduced into uh, the firearm world was it the military that gave it, you the introduction
2: yeah it was it was the military I was an armor in in the arms room maintaining you know the firearms there in the military and making sure they're all up you know working and you know made any repairs we need to make and stuff like that uh, then you know what what got me into really opened up a gun store it was really my my family mm-hmm. i wanted my family to be able to protect themselves you okay. know i wanted them to feel comfortable walking into a gun store uh, cuz they weren't comfortable you know walking into a gun store i said well you know what you know, let me figure it out so why why weren't they comfortable i was just some reason they just felt uncomfortable walking into the gun store in that atmosphere you know in florida or georgia where my parents were at the time and so i said well you know let me figure out how to, you know, I could do it myself. So I, you know, you know, did some little research or whatever. Uh, started teaching lights to carry handgun courses. Back then it was called the CHO course. Did that, make sure everyone had their license. And then um, after that, we, you know, opened up the gun store and started selling guns. Back up on me. Why did you join the military? I joined the military because I didn't know what I wanted to do after getting out, after finishing high school. So I wasn't ready for college. So I said, well, let me just go into the military. And believe it or not, I was a musician. I was in the United States Army band, so actually, by what, the time I got what it, instrument, oh man, I played tuba, trumpet, and trombone. I mean, I know more about music than I do about firearms. I can, you know, write music. I can, I man, I can sit here and write out the entire score of the uh, to the national anthem, you know. So, but I, I <laughs> haven't done that stuff in quite a while. Okay, um, what's your favorite type of music? if oh, you had to pick one.
3: If you were on a desert island, I'm what's working. the one genre of music that you have
2: to have with you? I'm going to take a hit from this one, uh, but I love military. I love marches. I love John Philip Sousa. I love marches. You know, I, man, they just get me riled up. And, you know, when I am when I want to, I'm going to get, I want to um, get my day started. I pull into the parking lot. Man, I listen to a good march and I'm ready to go. What did the military teach you? Ah, uh, discipline. Uh, discipline, definitely. Um, and I think that was the main thing, really, uh, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have, a, you know, any purpose in life. And once I joined the military, I said, "Okay, I've done this. Now I know I want to do my own thing and be my own person and, and go out, you know, into the world." From there,
3: was there ever a moment uh, during the military experience that you had? Was there a moment like, "Man, I'm not cut out for this. This was a bad decision. Um, this was a bad idea." Was there ever anything like
2: that? Oh yeah, that was basic training. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah, day one. I was like, okay, this guy's yelling at me like he's crazy. Okay, mom, I made a mistake. <laughs> get me out of here. If I can click my heels and get out of here, I would have gone right then and there. But I, you know, I hung in there, stuck it through, and then uh, decided to get out in 1999. I was actually, I was stationed before that. My was my last two, second to the last duty station was um, Little Creek Amphibious Base, where I was an instructor for the uh Armed Forces School of Music teaching, you know, army, marine and navy how to march in a military style band. And so did that and then, then I got out uh, left there and went to Fort Hood and then I ended up getting out of the army at Fort Hood. So
3: when you first started you were uh, you're opened up your own trucking company to ship
2: around elevators, right? Yeah, Is that yeah.
3: was that the first business that no, you opened?
2: The first business the first uh, the first business I opened? Yes. yes. It was the trucking company. That's correct. Yes.
3: So what was that like in knowing that basically all the responsibility is falling on your head every mistake is yours every you know uh, reward is yours what was that sensation like
2: it's uh, when you're depending on other people you know you're definitely worried about that part of it you know because not everyone cares about your business the way you do um, really big on you know big on customer service and stuff like that I wanted people to always have a good experience so when you're putting it in someone else's hands, you know, that definitely, you know, that can stress you out a little bit. But outside of that, it was everything's always new to me. Military was new. I had to figure it all out. You know, starting a business was new. I had to figure it all out. So all that stuff, you know, it's always like that. And you're listening to my life, my story of, you know, how I got into being a gun store. And, you know, I'm I'm, I'm digging deep. I'm telling you all the insides, all the outs and, you know, some of the things that were you know, personal to me. I'm telling you about my life, my personal story. I'm telling you about my family, things I've never said before. So I hope you can join this. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It.
0: Peace. This is Maj Tourette. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill.
1: Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're back and we're talking about my life, my
2: story. We're talking about Central Texas Gun Works as an owner of a gun store and as a, you know, a guy who wanted to you know, do self-defense. I wanted to, you know, talk about use of force and deadly force. I want to train my family. I wanted my family members, uh, my mother, my father, my loved ones to be able to defend themselves because I wanted to stop being a victim. And so we're talking about my life my story and this is you know how it all played out take a listen to this
3: so let's get into why you opened up Sentex Gun. gun uh, we did some research and apparently there was a very traumatic experience that happened to your grandma grandmother Brian right. do you want to talk about that
2: yeah so my grandmother decided that she was going to go to college get a college degree uh, she wanted to become a nurse and so she went back to college, started working on that. And she was leaving from a college library one day, uh, waiting for a bus to come. A guy came along, mugged her and raped her. So I decided, you know, at that point, hey, you know, I really need to get the family involved in this stuff, and we need to, you know, take our own personal protection in our own hands. You know, can't depend on the police to come and save you and stuff like that. You need to jump in there and, and really take care of yourself, because by the time the police arrive, they only there to fill out a report.
3: How did they perceive
2: the idea of you wanting to arm them? Were they open to it were they understanding were they fearful oh man each everyone's ready they were at that point you know they were the entire family was ready so i would literally um i would have people in the living room of my house you know they first started with the family and we would do, you know, gun safety, learning about the firearm, you know, teaching people how to shoot, going out to the range, and then doing the the license, the license to carry handgun course, going over the laws and stuff like that, because that's really important. A lot of people don't know, you know, what they can and can't do, and all that good kind of stuff. And then it went from the family to like. Neighbors neighbors are like, well, why are these cards here in front of your house on a Saturday, you know, and you know, well, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing gun stuff. Oh, wow. Well, we want to learn. And so then the neighbors, and then after that, it just, it grew, kind of grew from there, it went from neighbors. And then I said, okay, well, we need to get a hotel conference room. And we started, I took it to the conference room. We started doing classes in the conference rooms. And then the conference rooms gotten like overbooked. And I said, okay, well, we need, we need to find our own place. So then we you know, look for this location here, which we found this place after like a year, because no one wanted to allow us to sell guns and teach classes. Really, at that time, it was just teaching classes. No one would allow us to rent a space, building or anything to teach classes in Austin. Austin is
3: a very blue city in a red state. How did you overcome that? How did you make people understand that this is a
2: necessity? I hired someone to go <laughs> to go around to find me a place. You know, I was like, "Hey, dude, you know, you need to go around and find a place." You know, and it took an entire year. You know, luckily we found this place here, and I can't see myself leaving here. It's a great location. You know, get on, get off. You know, from the highway there and. And there's a bar here you can buy your gun (laughs) Bender Bender bar is that place still open Bender bar go have a drink they have an awesome
3: burger I remember used to go to that great wing night let me tell you okay (laughs) those are some of the obstacles that you know you had to overcome what are some other things that you had to that you didn't
2: really um, that you didn't see coming I didn't know I never didn't know anything about a firearms business so there's so many rules, you know, I had to get in, read the books. I, you know, I had to, you know, cause no one taught me anything. No one taught me. No one showed me. I didn't, you know, I was an apprentice or anything. I had to learn everything from scratch all by myself. So, you know, everything I had, you know, I had to really sit down and read read and look it up and research and stuff like that so what were some of the resources that you used um the atf regulation (laughs) you know the texas you know gun laws you know and going to the capitol and sitting in different hearings and listening listening to how you know they're some of the things they're looking at changing and some things they actually change and staying on top of that when the changes were made so that all that stuff actually helped me out a lot how do
3: you have partners do you have investors how did you because it takes money to start a business now it was
2: this is all me and all from scratch and money that I got from their trucking company okay yeah so you just took one business and then sold it did you sell the business correct okay I took that and then it moved into this and started this and we started like I said from scratch I did start with a partner here we 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 did the gun stuff initially the person that sold the guns was a totally different person um, he I have actually never wanted to get into gun sales at all Initially, Um, I wanted to teach classes. That was that that was just your thing. You just wanted to training and classes and instruct. Okay. Well, what happened was I met up with a guy at like a gun show, and he said, uh, you know, well, I want, you know, I want to, you know, look for look look for a place to sell guns other than gun shows because gun shows eh, get a bad rap. I said, okay, yeah. Well, I said, I want to look for a place to have a class. So we found this place here, and he was doing the he had the FFL, and I actually managed it initially. And then so he had a, another business that he was running during the day. He would just come in every now and then, and I would actually manage the entire place. So then it got to a point that only lasted, I want to say, like six months to a year. And then he left, and I got my own FFL, you know, and then boom. You know, from there, Central Texas Gunworks, Michael Cargill. Did you have any
3: problems running into finding a bank that would essentially hold on to your money
2: was that an issue that you ran into the bank no was not an issue credit card processors that's the issue okay you know so you know trying to and why why was it an issue for some reason the credit card processors uh they don't like gun sales at all um uh, google don't like guns (laughs) facebook twitter don't like firearms so there's no advertisement you know back then i could you could advertise on facebook and stuff like that when i first started but nowadays you can't There's no, you you can't do anything with Google, uh, not a whole bunch, you know, with Facebook, Twitter, when it comes to firearms, especially if your page goes to a, you know, where it goes to firearm sales. So it was hard. And then the credit card processors, that was our really big issue trying to process credit cards because a lot of them said, no, absolutely not. You know, don't like gun sales. And I actually had quite a few credit card processors cancel us, you know, so we actually found someone uh, that was okay with the gun industry. Who was that? Um, so we go through, I think it was thesis okay. at the time. Yeah.
3: So relying on the previous experience of running a business, what did you, how did you take those concepts of running your truckie business and implement those ideas into running a firearm store?
2: Well, it's all military started from the military leadership, you know, and the drive to learn something new and grow and go from there. And figuring out, you know, the ins and outs of everything, you know, what you can, what you can't do, what are the rules, what are, you know, just figuring all that stuff out. That that the military gave me that foundation, um, so I had to, I owe that to the military, and then everything else, you know, I just had to learn, just learn it here once I started. So now, um, as
3: guns, well, advertising on the internet and social media platforms becomes more controversial. How do you navigate those waters in making yourself? Well known in from a marketing sense
2: mm. man i gotta tell you
3: my marketing secrets <laughs> <laughs> no you don't if you want to keep that close to your heart yeah, by all no. means if you can just give it i'm a ready to retire
2: i'll tell you my marketing <laughs> secrets okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready right I, now gotcha but uh yeah it's it's um do you well do you think it's unfair that yes because firearms that's the one thing that you actually have to get a federal firearms background check in order to get access to that product you know so if you have to get an fbi background check you know, no one else should have a problem with it. And we found this out when we started selling, started accepting cryptocurrency uh, for firearm sales. Really? Yeah. We're the first first gun store in the world to accept multiple cryptocurrencies. Does that scare you? No. Because, we, you know, we started doing it back in 2014 uh, and initially, you know, kind of looked into it in 2013 and, you know, I did, you know, a lot of research on it. I said, okay, well, it's, it's so what? It's, it's it's not stable. It's not a stable currency. So you, it is a gamble, you know, because it does bounce, goes up, comes down. So you kind of have to watch Significantly. it. Significantly. Right. And it could change just like that yep. in a matter of a day. Uh, a guy like Elon Elon Musk gets involved into it and boom, it shoots up and goes to the roof. You know, but if he sells, it's going to drop down like a, you know, like a, <laughs> like a rock. So you you have to be, you know, you know, just conscious of that.
3: Forget about, like, being in the firearms industry. What stresses you out the most as being a business owner?
2: Just if if something happens, something bad happens, I'm going to be the one that's responsible. Um, You know, if something happens where I can't make payroll or, you know, something like that, those are things that would be. Pandemic, maybe. Yeah, goodness (laughs) gracious. The country shuts down. You're like, oh, my God, you know, we have to shut everything down, you know, so things like that. And that definitely would stress stress me out.
3: We are, like I said, we are – Kind of a blue city in a red state what is it like running a gun store in a very progressive liberal city
2: you're always under the defense you know they're always being attacked Um, and I get involved in politics and what goes on in the city and in the state so I'll get whenever I, I say if I say something on the news or something you know in the press and they don't like it because we're in Austin and I'll get code enforcement. For some reason, someone will call code enforcement to report something on me. They'll call text department public safety and report something on me. I've had I've done news stories where I have people actually call DPS and you know report the news story to DPS. Um, you know, just, just a multitude of things. You know, and so you're always under attack. You know, my attorneys always stay busy. You know, it's just it's just the price. That's the price of doing business. Those are the issues that I I actually have to deal with. You know, not not worried about business itself. But worrying about what, you know, when I do this, I I do this news story, you know, what's going to come from it? Am I going to get this postcard? I've gotten postcards to my house with a scripture on it at Christmas time, you know, of gunshot wound victim shot in the face wishing me a Merry Christmas. You know, so those are the things I I, I get. So because
3: you are very outspoken for gun rights, Mm -hmm. it seems like you have
2: to run this business to perfection. You have to make sure everything is on the up and up. Yes, yes. Because if I if I don't, you know, I'll have um, you know, I've had the ATF come in do an inspection like every single year, mm-hmm. you know, a couple times, you know, like three or four times in the. Three
3: round. or four times yeah. a year. <laughs> yeah. Wow, no, I know no,
2: once once a year, but okay. like every yeah. year. Right, 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 know, right. You know, and um, and then. Uh, I've had DPS come in to inspect. It's like, hey, why are you guys coming to inspect? because oh, we got a phone call, you know. And so you have to. Yeah. I have to run it, you know, to perfection because of that. Because we're in in Travis County, in Austin, Texas, you know, that blue dot, and they hate firearms. So, and I've I've had them say they don't want my input. You know, on what happens at city council on a particular commission because I deal in gun sales, which makes no sense. You know, hey, Michael Cargill, we don't want your input on traffic in Austin because you sell guns. And you're listening to my life, my story of, you know, how I got into being a gun store. And, you know, I'm I'm, I'm digging deep. I'm telling you all the insides, all the outs and, you know, some of the things that were You know, personal to me, I'm telling you about my life, my personal story. I'm telling you about my family, things I've never said before. So I hope you're enjoying this. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Austin's Talk 1370
1: Welcome back to Come and Talk It and now here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're back and we're talking about
2: my life, my story. We're talking about Central Texas Gunworks as a owner of a gun store and as a, you know, a guy who wanted to you know, do self-defense. I wanted to, you know, talk about use of force and deadly force i want to train my family i wanted my family members uh, my mother my father my loved ones to be able to defend themselves because i wanted to stop being a victim and so we're talking about my life my story and this is you know how it all played out take a listen to this
3: so i think that kind of leads us into 2020 how many times were you broken into during that
2: time, <laughs> time period we had one luckily knock on wood only one break in in 2020 and it was a. Uh, they were pretty aggressive. So it was a group of eight people, and it happened on... Eight people? Wow. A group of eight people. I
3: remember hearing it on the news. I'm like, I didn't I didn't, uh,
2: remember it being eight people. Yeah, it was eight people, five vehicles. And so it was right around June 1st, I think it was, and they actually... On that, on that day, multiple, loca- multiple businesses were broken into around the same time. So, us attempted break-in. Uh, one of the other gun stores up north of Austin, uh, they broke in, stole like almost 40 guns. Um, two pawn shops were hit. Academy Sports, two different locations were hit. Target was hit. Two different targets were hit. So, it was just crazy mayhem in the city because the police were mainly downtown. And there were protesters downtown, so all the resources were there. You know' they're stretched, so you know so thin. And so on that day, eight people, five vehicles deep, uh, tried to bust their way through the front entrance. They shot five rounds at the front entrance. Uh, one of the bullets that was recovered, one of the shell casings that were recovered, was uh, matched the shell casing that was recovered from a drive-by shooting. So these people were trying to get access to the gun to commit other crimes. And so, luckily, they were not able to break in. You know, our security measures held up. Thankfully, we, you know, had enough cameras in the parking lot. We can see what was going on. We contacted police. You know, and we were trying to get here also at the same time. Um, So it's a matter of timing when it comes to that kind of stuff. And so we were able to. We actually missed him by like thirty seconds. How far? um, How far do you live from? I live North Austin. (laughs) Oh wow! Yeah, I'm not going to tell you how how long it took me to get here, (laughs) uh, but it was pretty quick. Kind of talk me through the in the moment you realize I'm getting broken into. My business is under attack. Oh, immediately I had um, I had someone grab, the, I grab their phone. We dialed 911. Uh, immediately I contacted the alarm company, you know, trying to get the, you know, because I wanted to keep the alarm from going off as long as possible so I can get the police here because I didn't want them to be alerted. Uh, and then, you know, once they, you know, went through a certain layer, alarm goes off. Uh, so, uh, like, it, it was just crazy. I was in a panic. I was like oh my goodness they're gonna get in and they're gonna get you know get everything luckily we lock everything up in a safe you know every night we don't leave it out uh, which is smart so it puts all those different layers because I'm really big on security and if I get my gun stolen then I'm I suck as a security you know professional or go-to person so I'm glad I was able to slow that down
3: so 2020 we have the pandemic um and a lot of other things happened
2: during that time frame but Oh, before you, before yes, you go there yeah and then also i was able to learn from that experience so i learned by adding more security measures more cameras and and updated my alarm system so i said okay we need to you know get a bigger buffer give the police more opportunity more time to get here so we learned from that experience
1: how
3: did you see a i mean there was a huge explosion in
2: firearms sales how did that affect your business both good and negative initially it was great man march 13th i call that d-day that's when everyone walked into a gun store to purchase you know firearms and when i actually was off that day because that was my weekend that's my birthday weekend so i was actually taking off and when i i still so happened I came back to the store and i looked inside and like everything was like gone i'm like did we get robbed? What happened? You know, they're like, no, we sold everything. They were all excited. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I'm thinking, I don't have that much coming in, <laughs> you know. So what do I do? So I had to pull some strings out of my, my bag of tricks and uh, get a bunch of guns in here, which I don't know if I want to tell you what I did. <laughs> <laughs> keep your secrets. Got to keep my secrets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I got a bunch of guns in here, you know, in here pretty quick. But it, it was just crazy. And, and then – Once that initial burst happened, then it was like, okay, now inventory is starting to slow down as we get through the year, you know, initially it was great. Oh, we're selling, we're getting stuff coming in. So stuff is coming in. But then once the distributors start drying up and we're noticing, oh, the manufacturers, some of them had to shut down. So if they're shut down, so something's going to stop. And once that stops and slows down, then it started hurting as we got into 2020, you know, cause I I don't have product to sell. Don't have enough product to sell. Demand is there, but the supply is not. Demand okay. is high, supply is low. Why March 13th? What significant events happened there? Can you remember? March 13th, that was when um, they started making an announcement of South by Southwest is going to be shut down, and that's really big. That was huge. Right. So when you say there's no South by Southwest because of a possible pandemic or a pandemic, that was the burst of everything and what is south by southwest for people who are that's like a music film you know festival that we have here in austin texas very very popular around the around the globe and people come here from all over the place to you know you know show their films or music or just whatever i think we were sitting at a a a brewery here in austin actually before that earlier that week i got a call from a friend of mine um he's in the security business and he said he says michael i said yeah he said they're getting ready to shut it down I was like, "What do you mean?" He said, like, "They get ready to shut it down." I'm like, "Dude, you're crazy. You're are you a QAnon?" He's <laughs> like, "They get ready to shut it down." I'm like, "Okay," and he was right. You know, they shut down completely.
3: Uh, during that, my my wife's a nurse, and she was calm, cool, and collected. I was flipping the. Sh- I was just <laughs> losing my mind. Um, from your perspective, how, what what was going through your mind? That
2: you know, here comes this. Virus. Honestly, never even had a chance to think about it, you know, because we, we didn't – we yeah, and we never closed, so we stayed open, you know, because I'm just hesitant and shutting things down and, and being away from this place too long. I'm afraid someone's going to climb through or something. <laughs> and so we, we never shut down. We were open, but we did get to a point where, okay, everyone's got to wear a mask, so we all start wearing masks. Um, and it took us a while to get to that point. I want to say – maybe a month like maybe may so we're like okay everyone's got to wear a mask uh none of us are to my knowledge none of my employees have been affected to my knowledge you know they've been tested multiple times and so that was fine we got we got into may we started wearing masks and then may the month of april we didn't do any classes all classes stopped for that entire month we did start classes back in may and we reduced them to 10 people a class social distancing so we did that like may June and I want to say July, we opened up to more people in the class. Uh, everyone still wear a mask. Get into August, September, uh, we added more people, and then you know, as we got into the end of last year, more people. This year, more people. So we're kind of still masked inside the classroom, but we're we're more people, you know, in the class. Another thing that happened
3: in 2020 is that Austin defunded the police. Mm. Um, George Floyd was a major incident that happened during 2020, and it sparked all the protests. Um, do you think those protests helped? Not helped. I don't. I don't think helps the right word. But do you think those pro protests uh, was
2: it was a cause for the firearm boom? It's a combination of everything. So initially, it was the country shutting down. Uh, then we had the, you know, I think people were cooped up for a long time, and they needed an excuse and a reason for anything. So then the George Floyd thing incident happened, and then after that, people got word of Breonna Taylor, which actually happened on March 13th, which was, and that's a, it really important, because like March 13th, the entire country is shutting down, and they did a no-knock warrant on someone's house. I was like, thank God that's not my house, because on March 13th, everyone was in a panic. So then they got word of that, so that started more protests. You have Breonna Taylor, you have George Floyd, and then you get into you know get into like june july and then they started doing hey let's defund the police defund the police oh what a concept that's you're a bunch of idiots <laughs> You yeah. know, defunding the police all right you know and i think what they wanted to do was move funds from one portion of the police department to another but that's not how you know it really happens you know so you you start in austin what he did was okay it we didn't we're not able to hire more police officers they stopped the academy so police officers can go to the academy to um to be trained and so now we have a shortage of law enforcement in this city and you know it, it affects everything crime is increased you know you have this homeless issue which has is increased and to me it's, it's just some complete mess right now
3: as a black man what is your relationship with the police
2: um i actually i have a good relationship with law enforcement I don't have an issue with law enforcement at all um, but I'm a realist you know there we do have issues there are issues where you know some law enforcement officers do you know overstep that bound and then you know if you're another police officer where you know you're noticing that someone is doing something and and you don't say something then you become part of the problem so that issue is there it does exist and you have to go back and think about law enforcement and how it began initially which is you know way back in You know the 1600s you have your your first law enforcement you know was really they were created to retrieve you know freeze runaway slaves so when you go back to think about it like that you know I can understand why a lot of people have this fear for law enforcement being in the black community
3: I had a realization that the police aren't necessarily they're not the right tool for emergencies because I accidentally set off my alarm Uh, in my household I just moved in with my girlfriend now my wife and I forgot the code so it's going off Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking okay well I can't turn it off so I'll just wait outside because eventually the police are gonna come and it took them 20 minutes to Mm -hmm. get to my home in my mind I'm thinking man these guys are taking forever what if this was a real emergency Mm -hmm. what I I mean all these horrible images and ideas are coming into my brain of like well 20 minutes, your stuff is
2: gone. It's like a minute or two.
3: Their stuff is, my stuff is gone. Um, They're filling a body bag with me and my wife, you know, all these terrible ideas. I'm like, okay, maybe we we need to rethink this idea of an alarm system. Maybe we need to do something more proactive in the heat of an emergency. So that's when I kind of realized that, you know, you kind of have to do the, Due diligence of yourself to make sure you are properly protected. Right. And what is the most effective
2: way of protecting yourself? Well, it's a firearm. Right. It's really it's up to you to protect yourself and also protect your family. You cannot depend on, on law enforcement. Um, it, we do need police officers. We do need law enforcement. Anyone that says that we don't, you know, is living in la la land. That's not true at all. Um, you. But then people will call 911 for some very, you know, just crazy things, you know, because they're in the drive through at McDonald's and they didn't put enough, you know, French fries in their box. I've or heard like those that. stories. It's, yeah, ridiculous. it's insane. Yeah. They, that call for service. There's too many calls for service. And we need to reduce that. And also, I think the police officer, law enforcement have too many rules that they have to follow within a department. You know, there are laws that we have on the books, you know, that you can be prosecuted for. And then there are, there are rules they have to follow for the individual police departments. And I think sometimes that stuff gets so confusing, you know, to in, to officers. And I think they just need to follow what the law says. What does the law says about use of force and daily force? Follow that, and I think we'll be fine. And you're listening to my life, my story of you know, how I got into being a gun store. And, you know, I'm I'm am I'm digging deep. I'm telling you all the insides, all the outs and you know, some of the things that were, you know, personal to me. I'm telling you about my life, my personal story. I'm telling you about my family, things I've never said before. So I hope you can join this. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and It.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medella, is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Austin's
0: Talk thirteen seventy.
1: Welcome back to Come and Talk It, and now here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're back, and we're talking
2: about my life, my story. we are talking about Central Texas Gunworks as a owner of a gun store, and as a you know a guy who wanted to. You know, do self-defense. I wanted to, you know, talk about use of force and deadly force. I want to train my family. I wanted my family members, uh, my mother, my father, my loved ones, to be able to defend themselves because I wanted to stop being a victim. And so we're talking about my life, my story, and this is, you know, how it all played out. Take a listen to this. I've heard that you opposed universal background checks. Yes. Why? Um, universal background check. what that is, that's if... Any all gun sales, all sales will have to be done, you know, by in a gun store, or you have to get a background check to get it done. That means private sales from one private person to another. That means if you're a convicted felon, um, you will not be able to have access to a firearm. So let's say, you know, I had someone in my family, which I don't, but let's say I did, that was convicted of a felony, uh, maybe for a certain amount of marijuana. He did it like 40 years ago. They're 60 years old now. They've been an outstanding citizen, worked the entire life, and and they want to get a gun at home for personal protection because, hey, you know, pandemic, shut down, defund the police, whatever, like everyone else. So they want to protect their family. Well, after five years in Texas, as long as they're off of paper, probation, all that stuff, they can have a gun at home for personal protection, but they can only get that firearm if they get it as a private sale or as a gift. If you pass universal background checks, that person will never be able to get access to a firearm. That means that whatever they did 40 years ago, they would never have paid their debt to society. And so what's the purpose of releasing people from jail if you're not going to give them the rights back? They should be able to purchase a gun for their family, for their personal protection. But universal background checks will eliminate that. That means all gun sales, you have to pass the FBI background check in order to get access to that firearm.
3: There's been two recent mass shootings in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, the Democrats and progressive left want to essentially ban ARs. Mm.
2: Why is that not um, – why is that a bad idea? It's bad, and I think it's going to be impossible to do because if, if they do do that, then you're going to make millions of people felons because uh, there are so many AR-15s out here. And then the second you say you're going to ban something, that's when everyone runs the gun store to go buy it. So you're going to open up the floodgates, you know, even the stimulus money that they gave out, you know, last week or week before last, whatever. People, checks, are, they're nice. yeah, people are walking to the gun store to buy guns, you know, all weekend long from, the, you know, hey, I'm using my stimulus money to buy a gun. You know, so, you know, thank you, President Biden, you know, for supporting the gun industry. But if you, you say you're going to ban something, that's what's going to happen. You know, they're going to get it and you're going to turn all those people in, into felons because a lot of people are not going to want to give up those ARs. I love my AR. I can shoot better with the AR than I can with the handgun. Why is that? I don't know. I, I, I feel more comfortable with the with the rifle. I feel more comfortable with the AR. I like it. I like it for, you know, home home defense. You know, it's a great home defense gun. I learned my 30-round capacity because I don't know how many people are trying to break into my house. <laughs>
3: what is the issue here how how do we solve these terrible terrible things because granted nobody on the political left or political right wants to see these shootings happen Correct. no one wants to see innocent
2: people die but what's the the
3: resolution where's the
2: happy medium yeah, whenever they you know we have these little cases these little shootings that happen you know, they always go back to the family and they always, you know, someone always says, yeah, well, we knew he had issues, you know, and, uh, but we just, you know, we, so we, like this very last shooting, his family knew he had a problem. They knew he had purchased a gun. They kicked him out of the house instead of getting him some help. The family didn't take responsibility for that. Instead, they kicked him out of the house and say, you know what? Something's going on with little Johnny, you know, whatever his name is. Uh, we need to get him some help, get him some assistance. You know, that family, that's what family is for um and none of that happened you cannot legislate crazy you know if if the family is not going to do step up to the plate and do what they're going to do it's going to be hard for anyone else to do that because if a person's dead set on killing someone which is murder you know you're crazy enough to murder someone then you're going to get your hands on a gun to do whatever you want to do you know whether steal it or whatever you're going to make you're going to execute that and make it happen and you're listening to my life my story of you know how i got into being a gun store and you know, I'm 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 digging deep. I'm telling you all the insides, all the outs, and you know, some of the things that were, you know, personal to me. I'm telling you about my life, my personal story. I'm telling you about my family, things I've never said before. So I hope you enjoying this. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'.
0: thirteen seven, the right choice.
1: Welcome back to Come and Talk It, and now here's Michael Cargill.
2: All right, we're back and we're talking about my life, my story. We're talking about Central Texas Gun Works as a owner of a gun store, and as a you know a guy who wanted to you know, do self defense. I wanted to you know. Talk about use of force and deadly force. I want to train my family. I wanted my family members, uh, my mother, my father, my loved ones, to be able to defend themselves. Because I wanted to stop being a victim. And so we're talking about my life, my story, and this is, you know, how it all played out. Take a listen to this.
3: Um, as the firearm industry is booming and growing, what's a new demographic you're seeing as the firearms industry is?
2: Absolutely. So in 2020, we saw a lot of people in the black community walk into the gun store to purchase firearms who didn't normally do it. Um, now within the last 30 days, uh, last few weeks, actually seeing a lot of people in the Asian community take classes and stuff like that. So whenever something happens in the news, you'll see that in the gun store, you know, exactly what happens on the news. Um, you know, Biden mentions, you know, we need to ban, you know, assault weapons. We need to ban high capacity magazines. People start calling about extended magazines. You know, I need to get that 30 round magazine, you know. So, you know, what they call for, what they see on the news, you know, the, the president is very powerful, whether it's you know, good or bad, very powerful person. If you stand on that podium, that He's bullet very pulpit, right. Yep. And you say those words, people will respond to exactly what you say. And it may not be the response that you want.
3: How do you see this administration affecting the firearms industry? I know you kind of touched on it, um, but how do you see that affecting the firearms industry?
2: I can see them passing universal background checks. I can see that happen easily as we, you know, the more you highlight a shooting, and I'll ask the media, I, I said, how come you guys don't talk about suicides? And they'll tell me, we don't talk about suicides because they'll have more suicides. Well, then why do you guys talk about shootings? Cause if you mention it, you know, you talk about this, you're highlighted the way you're doing it. They're going to have more, sh- more shootings and you'll have more people, you know, will come out of the woodworks. You'll trigger the crazies. And so that, and that's what they're kind of doing. So this administration is going to come out the universal background checks and then get that passed. They're also going to get the, the bill passed where um, the delay and you know, they're going to extend that delay, whatever it's going to be 10 days. And then if you are still delayed within 10 days, they are going to extend, you know, you're going to have to apply to, to get an extension, to go past that so you're looking at 20 days you know before you know before you can actually get a firearm so it's it's going to hurt the people that are actually trying to do the right thing and do it the right way why don't they see that because why don't they want to it's not about it's not about it's about control it's about controlling you know uh, you know groups of people and gun control has always been like that yeah I'd go back and look at the history of gun control Uh, back in the 1600s the very first gun control law in this country was you could not sell any firearms to indigenous people the Indians the second gun control law was you could not repair firearms to indigenous people the punishment was death So then we come to Texas and say, hey, what happened in Texas? Back in the 1800s in Texas, you know, we we started Jim Crow laws, uh, meaning that, you know, free slaves couldn't have access to firearms. So what happened was in 1869 down in Galveston, Texas, everyone had rifles. They had shotguns. They said, we're not going to start regulating those, but we are going to start regulating. Are handguns. So in 1870, they had some handgun laws go into effect. Where 1870, they started regulating handguns, but they never touched long guns. So that's why in Texas, you can walk down the street here and you can open carry a rifle ever since 1870.
3: Um, since we are the silencer shop, what is your take on silencers and how do they help newbies who are new people who are in uh, looking to buy a gun, how does that help them shoot?
2: Ah, uh, man. I think, and I wanted to do this at one time, I just, I always get distracted. I want to have all my beginner classes, you know, my rental guns with, with silencers on them so that way, especially the beginner classes, so, you know, we can get have, people can have a better experience with and they understand, um, you know, we can focus on the shooting portion, not the big bang, you know, the loud noise. Cause, you know, I call myself a gun therapist and I have to, I, I get a lot of people. That want to shoot, who've had maybe something bad happen in their family, their life, and they're so concerned with the big bang. Once we get past that, you know, then we can focus on the shooting aspects. And if I was to use, you know, you know, silencers, uh, you know, for all of my rentals, I think that would actually help out a lot. You know, I think we, we should have started this a long time ago, years ago. We should have, you know, every gun. That's that's what the government should require. You know, they actually should require people to actually have a silencer for every one of their firearms. Uh, Man, I I love the silencer shop. I love the kiosk that we have here in the lobby. I love the fact that people can come in. we made the process, you know, silencer shop has made the process to get a suppressor or silencer so easy. Um, You can walk to the gun store, you know, and you can do your your fingerprints on the machine, the kiosk, set up your account, download the app, do your photo. Email your trust in, and then boom, we link that you know suppressor to your account. Silencer Shop does all the paperwork. They submit it to the ATF, get your 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 tax stamp to you. Um, like in 2020, as bad as we, you know we said it was, but I think it was a good thing that ATF. A lot of them were working from home, so we started getting tax stamps back in like six months. I got one back in 30 days. I was like, oh my goodness, that is
3: impressive. Yeah, so yeah.
2: And so it was great. They were working from home, so. Um, The process now is so much easier and I love that process. It's easier. I think the way we're doing it right now to get a silencer suppressor than it is to get a uh, LTC. You know, the fact that I, you know, for a license to carry a handgun, I got to go through this one private company to find a location, make an appointment and wait maybe two weeks to get a appointment to get fingerprints done. But if I want to get a, fil- a silencer, or I want to get a, a machine gun, I can walk into the lobby of the gun store, do the fingerprints on the kiosk there, download the app, do my picture and do all that stuff and get it done. I'll write you a check after this. Uh, podcast.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> How did you get to this point in your life? How much of it was luck
2: versus hard work? Um, I think all of it's hard work because um, nothing in life is easy, and, it, and this is the gun industry in Austin, Texas. It was not easy, you know, to get to where we are here today, and you know where we're going down the road. It's never easy. There's always something, um, and life throws so many. Curb balls at you, you know, let I me mean, look at 2020 and then we start off with 2021, you know, hold my, you know, hold my jacket and we're going to take all your power away, and take, you know, you know, jump into that. So you know life throws your curveballs. So nothing is easy. You And know? my hat's off to everyone that lives in Austin, Texas in, in February of 2021, because you deserve a medal. I hope you enjoyed this. You know, this this was really hard for me uh, to you know tell you the, the things that are dear and near to me. I hope you learned a lot about me, and I hope this helps you out. Uh, maybe you want to start a business, something that's near and dear to you. So I hope you really enjoyed you know, um, my story, Michael Cargill, uh, along with Silencer Shop. And I want to thank Silencer Shop for taking the time to sit down with me and you know let me spill my guts about my life and my story. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.